Good morning, everybody. This is the Marin County Assessment Appeals hearing taking place in the Board of Supervisors Chambers, room 330 at the Marin County Civic Center. Today is Friday, July 29th, 9 a.m. Anyone wishing to give testimony at today's hearing, please stand and raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear and or affirm under penalty of perjury that the testimony you shall give in this matter shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I do. Thank you. You may be seated. And before I go on to roll call, if I can just ask as a friendly reminder that anybody wishing to speak, please speak directly into the microphone. That way your conversation is captured and everybody can hear you. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Board Member Gremmels. Here. Board Member Brinkerhoff. Chair Weather. Here. <clears throat> All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The first case we have, there are four appeals on escape. Um, the applicant is Jingle Bells doing business as Taco Bell. Case number 190286. Roll value 384,076. Opinion is 50,000. The location is 937th Street, Novato. That's for all four appeals, I believe. Yes. Next case is 190287. Roll value 355,982. Opinion 50,000. Next case is 190288. Roll value is 336,107. Opinion is 50,000. Case number 190289. Roll value is 288,493. Opinion is 50. And I believe we have the applicant here today. Thank you, Madam Clerk. All right, so we'll start with the assessor. Who has the burden here? That's, that's a great question. <laughs> so what I thought uh, if it would please the board is I thought we could go over um, what exactly is being appealed for all four cases and discuss exactly the um, chain of events um, describe to you exactly what's being appealed uh, and so I thought both the assessor and the applicants can start off with an opening statement um, may we Hold ask on just a sec you're the applicant yes, sir. what's your name sir and is the uh, process proposed by the assessor's office okay with you? We'll do opening statements and we'll kind of figure out where we're going from there. Sounds good. Might come up and sit in this first chair on. That way you'll have a microphone. Okay. Adam Assessor. Thank, thank you. Um, so what I thought I'd do is just lay out exactly um, what's being appealed here. So this is not real estate. This is actually personal property and business equipment. And that pertains to all four of these appeal applications. So I want to make sure that everybody understands what exactly is being argued here today. This is all the business equipment at the Taco Bell location. Uh, and that's for 937th Street in Novato. This covers four years 
2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. And what exactly happened is the assessor enrolled values, and this is pertaining to the years discussed, enrolled values, and then discovered after the applicant recorded information or reported information to the assessor's office in 2019, we then discovered that there was, through an audit, we discovered there was additional equipment at the location for years 2016, 17, 18, and 19. We then issued what's called escape assessments. And those escape assessments were all done in 2019. And that is why you see a 2019 case number for each one of these years, because they are all escapes. Now, according to, I do have a handout for you. Madam Clerk, if you would. You provide a copy to Mr. Singh, please. This is just for a reference point. This comes from the assessment appeals manual. But basically what it states is that if the applicant has not supplied information to the assessor, then that burden falls to the applicant. However, in this particular case, we did get information through the audit and the, there were escapes that were made. Um, this is not very clear as to who would have the burden in this case. However, the assessor is willing to accept the burden for this particular case and move forward. Thank you. And perhaps Mr. Singh can provide some information as to what he's appealing today. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, respected board members and members of the staff. My name is Sandy Singh, and I'm the owner of the Taco Bell in Novato. And the crux of the matter here is the personal property valuation for the Taco Bell. Uh, so I want to go, I'll give you a little bit of uh, overall picture, you know, where we arrived at. Uh, so I have some of these uh, documents I would like to share with you, uh, if I may. Yeah, but before we get into the actual evidence, why don't you just give me a overstatement. Level, okay, great. Give me a quick summary of what's quick going summary, on great. here. Okay, perfect. So, uh, you know, the... Uh, we had a escape assessment because I guess the uh, auditors did not agree about the value of the personal property at that location, all right? This Taco Bell is about, I would say roughly about 25 years old. So we purchased a package of these Taco Bells, about 12 Taco Bells in, in the end of 2015. It was probably August 2015. And uh, most of these uh, Taco Bells were very old. You know, they're like over 20, 25 years old. So the uh, the price that we paid for that was mostly for the goodwill because, you know, at that point of time, the equipment starts breaking down completely. 
you know, the, the life period of this equipment, as per the National Restaurant Association, is about 15 years. But if you push it, you can take it to about 20, 25 years, you know, you start repairing it. But after that point, you're using duct tapes and you're using, you know, all sorts of things to put things together. Because, you know, there are parts, there are valves, there are circuit boards, there are things that start breaking down, right? So we knew that going in that we have paid a pretty high price for this uh, for these Taco Bells because, uh, you know, the it's very difficult to get a drive-through location here in the Bay Area for a drive-through restaurant, especially the Tier 1 restaurants. So uh, for a number, number of reasons, obviously, there is no good locations available or they're extremely pricey. And then the third thing is, you know, you cannot put, a, put a, these kind of restaurants in a neighborhood of another restaurant a similar restaurant from Taco Bell, the franchisor will not allow it within the five-mile radius. So that completely restricts, you know, entry point into some of these top-tier restaurants. So again, you know, going back, we paid this high price for the goodwill of those restaurants, and we knew that, you know, most of these restaurants were over 25 years old, the equipment is falling apart, and we would, you know, eventually have to replace all of that. A couple of years down the line, we had to close two restaurants, because the landlord, you know, after 25 years, they just increased the rent and said, you know, you have to pay this rent, and so we couldn't afford it. So we just, out of the 12, we closed two of them, okay? And so we just didn't have the money to do the remodeling and the uh, replacement of this equipment because we had to keep our people employed, and there was a lot of things in there, so we started doing it one by one. For the two restaurants that we closed, we opened two new restaurants, um, and then we started remodeling these restaurants one by one, depending on, you know, how, what the financial situation was. But essentially, the bottom line was, you know, after 25 years, this equipment is basically, you know, you just have to manage it on a daily basis. If something breaks down, you know, our people are running in there. The HVACs are completely broken. You know, we have to pump in the Freon every summer, every week, you know, those kind of things, you know. So, so, so the evaluations that we had when we had put this... Uh, personal property was much lower because we knew we had to replace that. And so um, the assessor did an escape assessment, and they, the, the value that they assessed is very high. And so that's what we are protesting. Thank you. So to summarize, the issue is we have a bundle of equipment. Assessor says it's worth X. Applicant says it's worth Y. Correct. And we, the board, need to figure out which one's correct. That's right. That's correct. Okay. Anything you guys all right, Madam Assessor, you want to go first? Absolutely. Uh, is it possible we could start off with introductions for the applicant? And um, that might help him understand who he's talking to today. Oh, surely. My yeah. apologies. Okay, thank you. Um, with the assessor's office, I'm the chief of assessment standards. Uh, I may predominantly work with commercial properties, but sometimes delve a little bit into uh, the personal property and commercial or um, business property. Good morning, board. Um, Rick Rosales, CPA. Um, been working as an auditor appraiser for over 17 years, primarily or for the entire career in business personal property. Um, I work closely with Andrea and John. Um, happy to be here. Thank you. Good morning. I'm John Offerman. I've been an appraiser for a little over 30 years, uh, working predominantly in commercial um, assessment appraisal. Uh, I've also worked on the other side of the fence representing individual taxpayers as an agent um, for approximately half the time. Uh, thank you. And then you see our names up here. We're appointed by the County Board of Supervisors. Uh, we're a neutral body. 
we're, we're quasi-judicial, so uh, we strive to be impartial um, and give everybody their fair day and before the board. So um, anyone else you want to introduce, Ms. Pauls? No, I think that will um, take care of the introductions. Okay. Thank you. And I'll, I'll hand the baton to you. Okay, so Rick Rosales and John Offerman will do uh, the presentation for the assessor today. Thank you. If we could begin, um, I'd like to direct your attention to Assessor's Exhibit 1, entitled Foundations of Business Personal Property Assessment in California. It's just a one-page um, summary of how we in California assess business personal property. And the reason why the assessor... Question, Mr. Oh, Offerman. Yes. I assume all this has been given to applicant, all hey, the uh, evidence you're presenting. Madam Clerk. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Sorry, Mr. Offerman. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so we'd like to take this opportunity today just to give a brief overview of how we assess business personal property for a couple reasons. One, it's not very common that we have a hearing like this. Uh, typically, I think the board would know that it's usually real estate that we go over. Um, so we'd like to present uh, this information for the public at large and especially for the individual taxpayer today. Uh, because we know he's not a, a lawyer or an expert in what we do. And this may help frame the conversation a little bit better and, and narrow some of the arguments. Um, so briefly, uh, you know, the first bullet point is what is business personal property? And, you know, I've been doing this a long time. The easiest way for me to remember is uh, what is real property? And that's actually how the Constitution of California and the Assessor Handbook describes personal property. It's, it's sort of a reverse definition. And real, pro real estate is land and everything attached to it, leaving everything else as business personal pro or as personal property. Um, <clears throat> so we're guided by uh, the government code, um, which tells us that uh, we are to go with the guidance from the State Board of Equalization uh, and whatever rules that they prescribe, specifically the property tax rules, and those rules govern us, the assessors, as well as the local assessment appeals boards. <clears throat> and when we deal with personal property, we know it's everything from pens, you know, all the way to large equipment, um, you know, to medium equipment that we might find at Taco Bell, and all of that is accessible under the Constitution. So the state board and the legislature, in their wisdom, said it would be almost impossible to find comparable sales for pens <laughs> and some of the strange equipment that we might find at, you know, who knows, hospitals and biotech and all that. And so what, how they guide us as the assessor and the board is uh, a technique called mass appraisal. And <clears throat> so every year, uh, the state board of equalization issues guidance and instructions on how to mass appraise all the equipment within the state of California. Uh, so it is not done through comparable sales, typically, and through um, income. You know, it would be very difficult to find out how much income this pen produces. So what the board has instructed us to do is use the cost approach to value, and they give us guidance uh, on that through the Assessor's Handbook 581. 
One other important issue that um, sometimes is question. Uh -huh. Can you give me the 30-second definition of the cost approach? Um, well, Rick has a, a, a detailed definition. Oh, in I'm sorry to interrupt. If that's okay, unless you want me to give it. You want me to give it now or later? Yeah, uh, later. Now. Okay, now. Yeah, let me give it now. <laughs> I mean, I think I know what it is, but yeah, it'd be good yeah. for the applicant to hear as well. The cost approach to value basically entails we take the historical cost of an asset when it's purchased, and historical costs would be all costs, direct and indirect, that it took to place an asset in service, and then there's depreciation involved to arrive at a value as a lien date. And the depreciation that we apply is given to us um, from the state, and the state develops their own tables, and then we follow those tables. Thank you. I just add to uh, Mr. Rosales' definition that all the costs to install, say, this table would include sales tax, freight, and delivery. So quite often when people present you know, with the cost of something, they leave out some of the items that are specifically included in the State Board of Equalization's definition of the cost approach. And that's just you know, something to be aware of. <clears throat> um, Something that also is interesting um, that causes confusion is uh, item three, or bullet point number three, and that is personal property is not protected by Proposition 13. Um, and personal property, like I said, is defined as anything that is not attached to land. So you know, anything that's movable is the easy way to remember what it is. Uh, so every year we have to assess it at fair market value. Uh, as opposed to per real property that's protected under Proposition 13, and it is um, the the fair market value uh, may actually be higher than what we can assess it at. <clears throat> uh, we are also constrained um, by the courts in a lot of what we do, uh, and in ITT World Communications versus County of, County of Santa Clara in 1980, the courts told us. <clears throat> that the assessor must use an approved valuation method. And that is defined as something that is approved by the State Board of Equalization. And the reason I say that is that maybe not today. <laughs> I'm not sure because we haven't heard Mr. Singh's uh, case. Um, that you as a board may hear methods that are not specifically approved. And... <clears throat> Our guidance as an assessor and as a board of equalization is that whenever a methodology is not specifically approved by the state board of equalization or the courts, that this is not the venue for that decision to be made. And the, and the notes are on my sheet for, for a, a deeper explanation of that. Uh, so I just wanted to go over quickly how we assess business personal property and assure the board today that Mr. Rosales and the assessor staff has followed the state board's rules, guidance, and laws uh, in his valuation today. Thank you. My turn. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, sir. All right, good morning, board. I'm going to be following from two reports. One is the actual report accompanied by the exhibits, so if you want to follow these two. One has the closing statement as part of the exhibits. It's the first page, and the other one obviously has the assessment appeal title, and that's the report I'll be following. So the subject property is um, a Taco Bell. The applicant is Jingle Bells LLC. Property ID is B as in boy, 05-01799. Um, the site address is 937th Street in Novato, and the type of business is a fast food restaurant. Um, going to the third page. <clears throat> 
Um, this is the this is the actual enrolled values from the audit. Um, so the different columns of, of values um, start with business equipment. That is synonymous with trade fixtures, and a trade fixture in this context is business personal property that's attached to the realty or the land. So to give you some some background on what that could be, that would be like, say, a freezer walk-in. It's embedded uh, to the ground. It's embedded to the walls. That would also be any electrical that supports the equipment, um, say, like a fryer or a warmer or a refrigerator. Um, other trade fixtures could be plumbing that's associated with the trade process, the trade process being, you know, the fast food location, the equipment that, you know, that they need that uses water. So that could be like the fountain drink. So it would be plumbing for that. It would be plumbing for the extra sinks that they have. So those would also be business trade fixtures because they support the trade process. Um, personal property would be items that are typically not attached. Um, they would be like, say, a cash register. They could be, you know, maybe baskets for the fryers. Um, they could be, um, trying to think here, um, miscellaneous, you know, kitchenware. Um, a lot of the equipment there would probably be trade fixtures because, you know, I forgot to include but it could also be a counter. That would be a trade fixture. Um, the roll values, as read earlier, um, these were the audited enrolled values, and for year 2006, it was 384,000. I'm rounding. For 2017, it was 355. For 2018, it was 336. And for 2019, it was 288. Um, page four, the recommended values per the assessor. We believe that we have followed our due diligence in, in following the law, and obviously, we're going to recommend a no change to the board, but I will state that later. Uh, of the report here. Um, the applicant was audited for lien dates 2016 through 2019. Um, the lien date is January the 1st. That's the date property becomes accessible to the owner of record. Um, the original pre-audit values are below. Um, and this is, what, this is what caused us to audit this business because we had compared these values to comparable fast food restaurants in the county, and the pre-audit values were very low when we compared them to similar fast food restaurants. So as you can see for the year 2016, the assessed value that we enrolled was 11,153. For 2017, it was 8,569. For 2018, it was 6,743. And for 2019, it was 24,443. You may ask yourselves, why were the values enrolled so low? Well, these were carryover values, we believe, historically from the prior tenant. Um, and when, like I said, when we compared them to comparable fast food restaurants in the county, it raised the red flag and we opened up this account for audit. Rick, when you made those comparisons, were you using the correct date for the equipment? Um, what do you mean by correct date? So, in other words, um, one one of the things Mr. Singh had mentioned is that the equipment was 25 years old. So, you were d definitely using the date of the equipment. It's it's difficult to identify the date. It was difficult for us to identify the actual date or the age of the equipment um, because before, from our records, before Mr. Singh 
bought the property, and at some point in history, we show or I show that this location opened in 2004. So, but it was a Taco Bell Pizza Hut combination restaurant. So it was hard for us to identify the actual age of the equipment because if it was a combination fast food restaurant, there would have been a conversion at some point from the Pizza Hut strictly to a Taco Bell. And then that could change all the dynamics of how old is this equipment because there would have been equipment obviously there for a Pizza Hut. Would, would have that been removed? And also would there have been a remodel done from the time the original owner had it and before Mr. Singh bought it and when that type of remodel would have you know, happened and, and what it would have encompassed. So it was hard for me to identify the age of the equipment. Um, so what we did is we just compared these pre-audit values to other fast food restaurants. And like I said, it raised the red flag because it was pretty low. To build in Marin, it's very, very expensive. And even if a restaurant is old, we normally don't see values this low, even for a mom and pop restaurant, let alone a fast food restaurant. So I hope that answers your question, Andrea. Mm -hmm. so, and if the board has any questions for me while I'm speaking, please interrupt me. Um, sometimes I can speak fast. And who, who provided these values, the 11,000, 8,000, 6,000? Does they that come carry, from the, uh... They were carry forward values, we believe, from the prior owner. The prior owner could have been under-reporting, and they were just oh. enrolled and accepted, and it was never audited. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay, page six. For the audit, it was discovered that the applicant had acquired 12 franchised Taco Bell restaurants in September 2015, with one of these being in Marin County. So the applicant purchased um, 12 restaurants in bulk as part of one transaction. Um, for the applicant's closing statement, total cons consideration paid was $8,156,721. Um, if you reference Exhibit 1, it identifies the total purchase price, and we highlighted or we, we enclosed the purchase price in, in a red box at the bottom because it's hard to read. Um, so we blew it up a bit for, for everybody to see. Um, normally when somebody buys uh, business property or a business um, in bulk, there has to be some sort of allocation made to all the various components that you're acquiring. Um, Normally, the assessor, to identify the cost attributable to each component, we, we look at the taxpayers or the applicant's records and books. Um, in this particular case, we did look at the applicant's 2015 tax return to see how they broke out or how they allocated that purchase price. Um, and these are summarized costs. So the applicant allocated 433000 642 to buildings and other depreciable assets. Um, it's my understanding that the applicant didn't buy any realty with this. So that $4 million would, would relate to or equate to business personal property, the business equipment at all the restaurants that he acquired. Um, they booked $3,823,079 to intangible assets. Um, and I will describe what those intangible assets are in further down my report. So, page seven. Approaches to value. Property tax rule three, which is exhibit two, describes the approaches to value that an assessor shall consider when appraising property. 
which are the comparative sales approach, the income approach, and the cost approach. In the appraisal of business property, the assessor normally applies the historical cost, less depreciation approach, also known as the cost approach. The cost approach is preferred over the income and comparable sales approaches because it lends itself better when conducting mass appraisals on property. Um, John had mentioned that earlier. Page eight, the cost approach. In the cost approach, the assessor is tasked with identifying what is the historical cost of each asset in order to correctly apply this methodology. Disclosure of an asset's historical cost, also known as booked cost, is typically found in the applicant's financial records such as tax depreciation schedules, asset list, general ledgers, and invoices. Um, you can think of historical book cost as the asset's market value when originally purchased, uh, including any cost components incurred to place an asset into service. Typically, those cost components would be labor and installation if you bought something piecemeal. Um, page nine. Um, continuing with the cost approach, um, per tax rule two, which is exhibit number three, full value, full cash value, or market value is the price at which a property if exposed for sale in the open market with a reasonable time for the seller to find a purchaser would transfer for cash. In this context, full cash value would approximate the booked cost on the applicant's financial records or what the applicant paid for the assets when acquiring the 12-star locations, which is $4,333,642. Um, cost for assessment purposes is full economic cost, which is tax rule 10B, and that's exhibit number four. And this includes all market costs, both direct and indirect, necessary to purchase or construct equipment and make it ready for its intended use. Um, this includes costs such as labor, materials, permits, fees, shipping, and overhead. Um, in this example, Mr. Singh bought 12 stores, so the assets were placed in service, or the majority of the assets were placed in service. Um, and we, to determine what is historical book cost, would look at how he allocated that purchase price on his financial records, as I have stated earlier. Um, so therefore, before the assessor can value the property using the cost approach, the assessor must establish first what is the full economic cost of property acquired in line with tax rules 2 and tax rule 10. Um, page number 10. So the applicant provided us with a spreadsheet um, breaking out the cost of what comprised the 4,333,000. So if you look at page 10, there's there's tangible depreciable assets. So this is how the applicant allocated the cost from the purchase. They applied 8,000 to an automobile. They applied 990,000 to furniture, 930,000 to equipment, five-year life. Um, 10-year life equipment got 15,660. Equipment, seven-year life got 1,629,875. Leasehold got there's two leasehold entries, one for 697742 and one for 62139 When you add that up, that adds up to 4333642 and that, that is the business equipment that he purchased that he allocated on his books. Um, they also allocated a value or a cost to amortizable assets, which are intangibles. 
Um, and as you can see, software was given 60,000. There was franchise agreement. There was covenant not to compete and goodwill. Many times the assessor, we will scrutinize these costs. Um, in this example, we decided to accept it. We understand Taco Bell is a, it's a recognized name, not only nationally, but around the world. Um, we don't know how the applicant arrived at these allocated cost values. Um, we did ask for an appraisal. It would have been helpful if we had received one. We didn't get one. Um, that would be a question we will ask Mr. Singh later if there was an appraisal done because normally whenever you do buy um, so many franchise restaurants in one purchase, there typically is an appraisal done before you buy the properties. Um, page number 11. Um, as part of the spreadsheet that Mr. Singh gave us, which is an Exhibit 5, um, the applicant also allocated a cost on a per store level. Um, and the first row is the Marin store. So they, they gave the Marin store a cost basis of 183506 um, And I'm not going to read all the store values, but the total value on his spreadsheet equal two million eight hundred and forty eight thousand four fifty four um, I'm not sure how these values were were determined um, but if you compare that two million eight hundred and forty eight thousand four fifty four and when you compare it to the depreciable cost basis of four million three hundred and thirty three thousand six forty two there's a deficiency of one million four hundred and seventy seven thousand zero eighty one that needs to be distributed or allocated among the various store locations for assessment purposes. So what I'm trying to say here is that on his tax return, the applicant booked 4,333,000 to depreciable store assets. But on the spreadsheet, if you do it, if you summarize the value, the cost basis for all the stores, there's a deficiency because they're only allocating 2.8 million. So my question is, where is that other 1.4 million being allocated to? Um, and I'm gonna re refer to this again in page 12. Um, so this is, there's a couple of observations here during the audit that we noticed. Um, the cost value basis for the 12 stores should equal 4,333,642 as booked on their records and as reported as depreciable assets to the IRS. Currently, there's a deficiency of 1,477,000 that has been omitted or unassigned to the various stores. And I have a small spreadsheet there, um, starting with the 4,333,000. I'm removing the automobile because we do not assess automobiles. Um, and I'm removing the amount that they summarized or allocated to all the stores. And the deficiency I'm coming up again with is 1,477,000. Um, page 13, um, another observation we made is that there was two locations that were closed per the applicant soon after being acquired. Um, these two store locations can be identified on page 11. They're the last two rows. Um, and my observation here is that if the stores were never opened, or, there were if, or if they were open for a very brief period after purchase, then normally it would be more appropriate to apply either a null value if they were never open to the equipment or a scrap value to the equipment if your intention was to discard it or remove it. 
Um, in this particular case, if, if the applicant never opened those two store locations, they're both in Contra Costa County, then there should not really have been any value applied to the equipment there, um, or maybe just a scrap value. Um, and if that's the case, the, the assigned values to, to, those, to those two stores should have been applied to the other 10 stores and or to the other 10 stores in Goodwill. Um, so those are some of the shortcomings that we encountered during the audit is just trying to identify what cost is applicable to each store, you know, and because we never got an appraisal, um, we were working as best as we could with the applicant's financial records that he did give us. Um, page number 14. Um, cost assessable per assessor review. Um, costs are reported annually to the assessor on a form called a business property statement. Um, a taxpayer per R&T code 441A is supposed to file whenever the assessor requires you to file or when someone owns more than 100000 in personal property. The applicant was sent statements to file for lien dates 2016 through 2019, um, and we only received one filing during that time period for 2019. Um, on the 2019 business property statement, the applicant reported machinery and equipment acquired in 15 for 15,000, leasehold improvements acquired in 2015 for 10,000 and supplies. You could see a copy of the applicant's business property statement that's part of exhibit number six. Um, and I bring this up because if at the minimum what the taxpayer reported or the applicant reported for 2019, it should at least equal or come close to what they on their on their spreadsheet. Costs attributable to each store, which is on page 11, they should have at least at the minimum reported to us 183,000. Um, and that still doesn't take into account the deficiency um, of the 1.4 million and the two stores that were closed. So based on how the applicant reported, um, that was also one of the reasons why we set this up for audit because it appeared that they were underreporting to us based on comparable restaurants in Marin County. Page number 15, in the audit, the assessor has to look at financial records covering multiple years to confirm asset additions and or disposals. Um, documents requested but not obtained from the applicant included a certified appraisal prior to purchase to confirm if any value allocations prescribed or followed prescribed accounting methods. Um, we also didn't obtain federal IRS tax depreciation schedules these schedules help us identify acquisitions and disposals by location um, and what assets exist as of a, of a particular lien date, um, which is January the 1st. Page 16. Based on the applicant's purchase and allocated book cost of $4,325,535, um, that's less for the automobile for 10 turnkey stores. It is the assessor's estimation that the average value or cost basis for each store is 432,554 acquired in 2015. This average does not take into account adjustments on a per store basis that normally affects a bulk purchase, such as the size of each store. You know, some stores can be bigger, some can be smaller. If it's a bigger store, there might be more equipment. Um, it doesn't take into account this average that we, we're coming up with 
the condition of the equipment. Some stores can be newer, some can be older, and that would mean the equipment's you know, in better condition than another store. Um, or the age of the equipment of similar equipment. Um, but absent any appraisal which was not made available, the assessor is working with the cost data primarily provided from the closing statement and the one depreciation schedule we did obtain. Um, page 17. Find the cost approach. The cost approach takes an asset's acquisition cost and multiplies it by a price index to arrive at an estimate of reproduction cost new on the lien date. Um, the reproduction cost new is then multiplied by a percent good factor, which is a complement of depreciation to arrive at an estimate of fair market value. There's an example of this in exhibit number seven. Um, and this is taken from the Board of Equalization's Handbook 581. It describes, um, or it gives an example of how you would arrive at a value. And if you look at the bottom, the year of acquisition of, of this particular asset, and I believe it's OFNE, it's office furniture, that was acquired in 2017. If you bought office furniture in 17 for $5,000, the index factor it approximates what the reproduction cost you would be for lien date 2021. So it's basically saying, what would that same office furniture cost you as of lien date 2021? So the index brings it up to 5,400. Who determines the factor amount? The state board. Uh, and then the reproduction cost you in, in the exhibit is 5,400. The percent good is 70% to arrive at a value of 3,780. All the factors and all the indexes are given to us by the board. We're directed to follow them when using the cost approach. Um, so that's an example of applying the cost approach. Rick, doesn't the State Board of Equalization, they survey um, many businesses and assessor's offices throughout the state when coming up with these, these percentages? They, whenever they come up with a, a change in a percentage, they will do an analysis and a survey working with other counties, sometimes at the behest of an applicant. Um, it does happen. Um, but they also reference to, to arrive at the percent good tables, publications like Marshall and Swift um, and the U.S. Bureau of Statistics um, before they publish any index factors and depreciation factors. So continuing on page 17, um, the assessor estimates that the true basis or value of the assets when acquired by the applicant in 2015 ranges anywhere between 400,000 and 432 per store. For sampling purposes for this appeal, um, I went ahead and, and took the lower of those two amounts. I took 400,000. Um, and applied it evenly between personal property and trade fixtures. The difference between personal property and trade fixtures in terms of depreciation is the life. Personal property, again, is not embedded to the realty. That gets normally a 12-year life. Trade fixtures get a 15-year life. So when, when we use the cost approach, the life for personal property will have, or the depreciation for personal property because it does have a shorter life than fixtures, there will be more depreciation applied and fixtures depreciate at a slower rate because it has a higher life, 15 years. And so if I took 
in my sample here, a cost basis for this particular location of 400,000 applied it evenly to 200,000 between personal property and trade fixtures. What values do I come up with? And that is shown on page 18. Um, so I did the breakdown of personal property and trade fixtures, 200,000 for each year. And if you look at the first, first year, 2016, at the top of that graph, the value I come up with is 413,600 for lien date 2016. That's the assessed value in my sample I would come up with. How does that compare to what we enrolled? We enrolled 343,000. That's to the right of the 413. And so I give a valuation analysis for each year for 16, 17, 18, and 19. Um, and in my sample, I'm still coming up higher. Um, in, our, in our audit, we came up with these figures and we still reduced it a little bit because we couldn't take into account all the adjustments for this store. We didn't know how old the equipment is. We didn't know if it was ever remodeled. So we, we, we reduced it a little bit to account for those types of adjustments. And we thought it was fair when we also compared it to other comparable properties in the county, which are in the same ballpark here. Um, so in conclusion, on page 19, the assessor has used the applicant's cost data to appraise the property in conformity with revenue and taxation law. The assessor kindly requests that the board uphold the assessor's enrolled values as they represent fair market value in accordance with an approved valuation methodology as mandated by the California State Board. And if thank you. any questions, I could take questions. This is a very good presentation. Thank you. Oh, thank you for saying that, board member. Quick question. Trade fixture has a 15-year life. What if I never replace my trade fixture and I somehow manage to stretch it to 30 years? If How do you value that? We, we, still, we still value it. If it's in service, it still retains value, has value, because it's contributing to revenue, right? Um, it flatlines at some point. Um, the, I have to think off the top of my head, the depreciation rate might be like 15%. You know, it gets indexed, so it goes up and it approximates reproduction cost new because it's 30 years old. That index, we're supposed to cap it at about 1.25. So if you bought something for $1,000 30 years ago, the index should be 1,250, and then multiply that by 15%. So off the top of my head, the value might be like $200. Okay, okay, thank you. So you're, what's your percent good at that point? It'll be 85%. No, it'll be 15%, I'm sorry. Depreciation would be 85%, percent goods 15%. So they're, they're the opposite all the time. And that's in the table? Yes. yes. That's in the tables that the board gives us, yes. Right. All right. Uh, I, I've got a couple. Oh, please, I'm sorry. Um, did... Did you actually uh, look at the equipment itself? Oh, yeah, we did. I'm sorry. You could look. At, we took pictures, and we supplied them as part of the exhibits. It's the last two pages. Uh, I, we, was, we, that, we actually went out okay. there last I'm, week. I'm, I'm, I, I don't <laughs> need to see pictures. Did, did you look at, <laughs> at, at, at uh, did, did, did that equipment have uh, nameplates, specification plates, serial numbers, that kind of thing on it? Yes, it did. Um, um, I can't recall what the serial, I mean, we didn't look at the serial numbers, but usually they do. I know from experience they do. And they do have nameplates, you know, um, which has the manufacturer's name on there. Um, but without an invoice, 
it's hard to match it up. Without the actual original invoice, like to match up the age, when it was bought, how long it's been there. And how much, you know, installation would have been, how much, you know, permit fees would have been. Um, so from, from the outside looking in, it's hard to get more detail about the cost incurred, the true cost incurred to place an asset in service. I'm just, I'm trying to figure, you know, whether there was some way to, to actually ascertain age of, of that equipment, which I would expect you'd be able to get from those kind of plates. We, we probably could. I have seen on the backside of equipment the plates where it says the year of manufacturer, but these are, embed, these are installed, so I, it would be impossible for me to get to the back and look at that. Why they call them fixtures, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Mr. C would have let me do it. So. <laughs> um, did you have a copy of their purchase agreement? Um, no, we got a copy only of the closing statement. But that gave you the allocation between uh, various factors in the purchase price? No, what gave me the allocation was their spreadsheet. Um, their internal spreadsheet. Um, the closing agreement or the closing statement gave me the total purchase price. And per Rule 10, their tax rule or tax rule 110 states purchase price means the total consideration paid by the purchaser on the purchaser's behalf, valued in money or um, otherwise. So when we're talking, you know, sales price, we're talking total consideration paid per Rule 110 Revenue and Taxation Code. That's understood, yeah. Thank you. Anything further, Mr. Rosales? Excuse me? Anything further? No, um, I'm done unless John has something or Andrea has something. No, I think, I think you did a very nice job, Rick. Thank you. One quick question. You did mention that how the books are normally kept, and that, that's based upon your experience as a CPA, correct? And, correct. And you were talking more in the um, arena of federal taxes, correct? I'm talking about um, asset accounting. various reports just reconciling to each other. So the tax return should recon reconcile to the trial balance. That should reconcile to the depreciation schedule. Um, in this particular case, there were some discrepancies we found where items, cost items weren't matching across the board, and they should match across the board. Um, what you book, you should report to us on the business property statement, you know. Um, you, you, the way you booked your costs doesn't represent how you report it to us. How you booked it as depreciable, tangible assets to the IRS doesn't represent how you booked it on, or allocated it on your spreadsheet. So from my experience, normally various reports reconcile. Um, in this particular case or example, they did not. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Mr. Singh, you've, sure. you've heard from the county. Uh, please, let's hear from you, and, and if you could respond to some of the questions they had or yeah, issues we'll they raised, we'll I'd appreciate that. I would like to have this given to you, my sheets that I have. Can I? Yeah, the, Madam Clerk will grab it from you.
Um, I have only four sheets of here. You can just send them at the end. So um, I want you to look at the sheets that I've given you. Like I said, we purchased all these 12 locations for about $7.7 million. And the sheet number two is, you know, gives you the breakdown of what the price allocation was for different things, you know. So in sheet number one, you can see the... Um, let me, let me the, ask you, stop you there real quick. Sure. Didn't they say that you purchased it for $8.1 million? No, the closing cost was it. The, the, see the cost, total cost... Purchase price of the business is seven point seven million. Look at the second sheet, and by the time they close all the, the you know escrow fee, this that you know that that kind of thing adds up, and the deposits and so on. Oh, I got you. Okay, got thank it? you. So Sorry. That, yeah, so the purchase price is seven point seven million, and if you go down the list, you know you see the price allocated for the Novato Taco Bell uh, was one hundred sixty-eight thousand three fifty-four. Where is, uh, oh, wait, I see it. You circled it, right? Correct. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, we, um, I've already explained that to you in earlier that, you know, majority of this purchase is because of the goodwill. Most of these stores are over 20, 25 years old. And uh, uh, some of these older stores had a combination of Taco Bell Pizza Hut. So they had, like, an extra oven in the Taco Bell where they would take the frozen pizza, just heat it, and give it away. So that was a, it was a combination which was earlier kind of practiced a lot. But because of the operational difficulties of, you know, having that pizza one in the middle and that line, they, they discontinued that. They threw the pizza one out and, you know, just made it into Taco Bell. That was a little more. But the, most of the equipment for the Taco Bell, the lines and the fryers and the re-thermalizers are the same, except for a combination you get an extra... Uh, pizza oven, a small little oven, which is kept on the side. So, so, but this again, you know. So this, uh, like I said, this restaurant is, you know, over twenty-five years old, right? So, uh, how do you derive the cost of that equipment there? You know, how do you depreciate that to find out what the value is? And uh, you know, like I said before. Um, you know, most of this equipment starts falling apart after 15, 20 years, right? I mean, it's just, you know, just barely trying to hold it together. And, uh, you know, whether you take a cost basis or depreciation to arrive at a comparable cost for equipment that is almost 20 years old, um, you know, it's, you can't value that at 400000 I mean, I would simply love somebody to take that equipment for one-fourth of that cost. I'm going to give it everything away right now. You know, there's no way that cost is. I mean, this was built about 20, 25 years old. So the cost of building that, I would think, would have been around 800 on 900,000 in that 20 years ago, out of which, you know, 400,000 would have been the cost of the equipment. And the rest, 400,000, is the building. And if you depreciate that 400,000 over 25 years, I don't think so there's any value in this equipment. And the thing is, 
you have to see the everyday operation, how we have to run it to maintain it. You know, it's just, you know, constantly somebody's trying to fix it. You know, if the burner is not burning, you know, light it manually with this thing. So uh, I was supposed to remodel this about three years ago, uh, but we just didn't have the funds to do that. Like I mentioned, we closed two stores, but they were closed not at the time of opening. We had ran it for about three years. After that, we closed it when our lease came out for renewal. So both the Sunol location and Walnut Creek's location were closed after two to three years when the lease came up for renewal. So, but again, like I said, and after closing that, you know, because we had to keep people employed, I had to open two new restaurants, and we started remodeling the other ones, you know, in the, in the basis of, you know, how they were getting. And so the Novato, we've already got a permit for remodeling. I mean, we applied for the permit, and we've got a per person to do that. It's just that due to the last couple of years, because of the COVID and the supply chain issues, we were not able to get that remodel done because we had so much of loss of sales in the last couple of years. And so we had to somehow manage to, you know, keep pushing the equipment to somehow manage it for a few more years before we can remodel. At the time of remodel, the entire lobby is gutted away. All the furniture, which was 25 years old, we're going to throw that everything out. Entire restrooms are remodeled. All the uh, POS system is thrown away. I mean, basically everything is thrown away, you know, and then... Um, we have to get, uh, um, you know, either fix the line or, you know, remodel that or, you know, get some new equipment. So we have to get new fryers. We have to get new rethermalizers, um, you know, those kind of things. So I'm just saying that, the, you know, it's just that we have already got the permit for that, for doing that. And I did send that to, to, to the auditors that this is, you know, with the permit for that. And, you know, I think the value is pretty much, you know, we, as soon as we can be able to get the remodel going, will replace all this. Um, so anyway, going back, you know, at the time of purchase, the, the price allocated to this was uh, 168354 And then if you look at uh, the 2015 returns, um, you know, for the last four or five years, we've been losing money in all these four or five stores because uh, all these uh, stores because of, you know, because we bought such old assets and the, just the cost of the labor and the cost of, uh, you know, running that restaurants, unable to make the ends meet. And our hope was over the period of time we would remodel these stores, change the equipment, and hopefully down the line we'll be able to make the money. So with that hope, we have bought it, you know. Um, and as far as the depreciation is concerned, we at, at, uh, at the time when we bought it, we did a cost segregation approach which is called a bonus depreciation. So we had somebody come and look at it and, uh, you know, did, a, did an extensive report and all that, and that's, we took that uh, deduction for that. And so that's why there's probably those numbers. I mean, I'm not a CPA, but that's how those guys uh, got those numbers on the tax returns. Um, the, the next page you will see uh, the goodwill that we had allocated in 2015 for these stores was $3.823 million. And so the remaining uh, allocation you see in the front uh, second page was what was there for the restaurant, which is 168,354. Um, and from there to get an assessed value double of that, which is almost 400,000, is just I find it very unreasonable, especially in the fact of the light when the rest, uh, when the equipment is so old uh, and that we are going to remodel and, and throw everything away. So we need some reasonable assessment of that uh, personal property. So the 168, what year would that be the assessed 
value? That be uh, That was at 2015 when we bought the store. And then, but wasn't the number you reported 11,153? No. Based on that? I believe. Page five of your report, Mr. Rosales? No, you would have to look at page. Look at page 14. Those are the costs that he reported on for the first time to us based on the 2019 business property statement. Right. And again, the reason for that was when we actually assessed the value, we found that equipment to be absolutely worthless, and we had to do that remodel. So we were just at that point doing the remodel when we were hit by this uh, closure of two stores that we had to do because you know the landlord just raised the rent, so we could not do the remodel at that time. So we had to push it out and you know ask for extensions and, and things like that. Okay. And when you purchased these stores, did you did you get an appraisal at the time? No. You know, the the thing is it's a it's a demand and a supply thing. When you purchase these stores, it's more of a a, a goodwill that you purchase because it's, it's very difficult to enter into this uh, top tier fast food restaurant market because these stores are not available in the market and when they are available, it's just many people jump on it and and try to buy it. So you really don't uh, appraise the equipment or the uh, 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 you know the, the location. You you more you more look at you know what this location is capable of producing, given the fact that you have exclusivity on that five five mile radius on this top tier restaurant. So that's what the price is based on. So it's primarily goodwill, and then you know, and then you look at some of these uh, restaurants, how old they are, and make a generally guess and see. Okay, you know, this is what I'm trying trying to pay, and then the market drives the cost of that. You said you did a cost segregation study? Yeah, we did a cost. Each of those, did you provide that to the assessor? Well, it's, it's a kind of a book that they had, and they based on that, the CPA kind of you know uses that value and puts a complete total depreciation on the tax returns of the first. But, you know, I don't have a soft copy of it. It was a, it was a book with the previous CPA. So he had got a cost segregation uh, person to do that. Let me ask you this, Mr. Singh. Let's take uh, lien date 2019. The county is assessing the enrolled value at $288,493. What do you say the value is? You're talking about 2018 and 19? Yeah, let's do, I'm just randomly picking yes, 19. Yes. What would you say the enrolled value should be? I'm looking at page 18 of their report. You're talking about three? Th yeah, that is too high. I, I would think I would. Right. No, I, I hear you say that's too high. Maybe 75000 at the max. Okay, but then how do you get to the 75000 I don't. I mean, I think the value is zero. But, you know, just for, because we had to. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. But right. I, I'm telling you my predicament is you're uh, just exactly. telling me it's zero. and. I'm supposed to rely on evidence to Correct. make a decision. It, it is very What's the evidence? How do I Correct. do that? That is true. That's a good point. But but what happens is when the equipment is so old, you cannot really uh, put a price on that because it's, nobody's going to buy that for no matter what price it is. You know, last time when we closed those two stores, we had those similar kind of equipment in there, and I wanted to get rid of it, and nobody would get it. So then I even called the guy who does the recycling of the metals. I said... You know, why don't you take all the equipment? I'm going to give it to you for free. The guy tells me, I'm not going to pick it up. You come and deliver it here, then I'll take it. 
So you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. It's just so old. It's just very difficult to... I hear you. Anything further, Mr. Singh? Yeah, I mean, you know, if when we do the remodel, it'll be, you know, it'll be a brand new equipment and brand new furniture and this thing and all that, and we'll just get the price and, and get it going. But at this point, I need some break on that because I think those prices that they have come up with is very high. Thank you. Thank you. Questions, Nelson, Dirk, or Mr. Singh? You want to ask Mr. Singh some questions, Mr. Rosales, or? Um, thank you, Mr. Singh. Um, first question is: You said you paid seven million seven hundred thousand for the stores, right? Um, can you state how much you booked for depreciation and amortization purposes to the IRS? What did you report on Schedule K in two thousand fifteen to the IRS? You know, I I'm not a CPA. I'll have to check with my yeah, what he said because they the all these documents were given to him and they did the study and so. You know, but but the price allocated for this the store at the time of closing was one hundred sixty eight thousand three fifty four, which I sent to you. I was, refer I was referring to the summary cost, but I have the answer here, and I could give the board. Uh, Mr. Singh or Jingle Bells LLC reported a total cost that is depreciable and amortizable to the IRS of eight million one hundred fifty six thousand seven twenty one, and that goes back to. Rule 110B, which says the purchase price is the total consideration paid. Total consideration paid was 8156721 And if you incur debt, if you incur liabilities, that's part of the purchase price. And if you report that to the IRS, you're reporting that as depreciable assets and intangible assets that are amortizable. Um, and the total tangible cost that is being depreciated is $4,333,642. Um, so can you translate that to me, who is not a CPA and that, not that, a tax attorney? Because he didn't, did you buy any real property as part of the purchase, Mr. Singh? No. So since there is no real property purchased, that $4,333,000 represents business property, trade fixtures and business property that needs to be allocated. Amongst the 12 am stores. Amongst the 12 stores. But Mr. Singh was saying that the equipment's so old, I have a follow-up question on that too. The two stores that were closed in Contra Costa, mm -hmm. did you ever operate those after purchase? I just told you that. We, we operated for three years. Oh, and then they were closed? And then they were closed because the lease renewal came up. So, oh, so, so you incorrectly said that they were closed right away. No, I, I said I didn't know. I said no, I, no, I didn't you know said if they, they were, were closed, closed right away. Right away. Okay, okay, okay. Um, they were closed two to three years after they opened. Move on. Uh, next question is cost segregation study. Can you... Um, Explain who developed that cost segregation study, what their background is, and how they came they up are, with that. They are expert in this cost segregation, and uh, what they do is uh, they, they, I think they go to each other's store, find out what can be segregated and what can be immediately taken as a depreciation, as a bonus depreciation right away. So there, there are literature up on the Internet. You can read it. I'm not too who, who did the technical study? guy. Who, who did the study? This was a, a company who does these cost segregation studies. I forgot the name of that. I'll have to look it up and uh, get back to you on that. So they made a binder and they gave it to the CPA. The CPA kind of you know looked at a few companies and I sort of, you know found out one of them who would do that. But they do that on a regular basis. There are companies that do cost segregation for accelerated depreciation. So they, they go and what they do is they, they look at a restaurant and then look at all the plumbing which is under the ground, which, you know, all these things which can be depreciated immediately is versus, you know, straight line. 
And so that's why the first year you can take that bonus depreciation to be able to do that. So I'm not too detailed about how it designed and so on. Thank you. So I'm confused here. Was it a valuation study or was it a study for depreciation purposes? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. Okay. So. And I believe board member Brinkerhoff asked this question earlier, but the assessor has never seen a copy of this cost segregation study. Right. Um, but, but again, like I said, you know, I, I can get that. It's a book. They had, they had given it with the old CPA. I'll probably have to get that. Uh, but uh, coming back again, you know, the cost allocated to this is, you know, way too high when we're, you know, we're looking at 168000 in the beginning. After 25 years of running uh, these restaurants and uh, the equipment does, you know, completely wear out after 15, 20. Even the National Restaurant Association has said that the, uh, uh, you know, they, have, they had this law. I have this uh, thing here that the, uh, the depreciation should be 15 years for this restaurant equipment. Because after 15 years, it's totally gone. So I have these reports. You can you can look it up online, and you know I, I'm not too familiar with that rules and things that are there, but there apparently there's some legislation. So, which let me follow up on that with you, Mr. Rosales, because that was the question I had. If if you're depreciating it at 15 years, but you stretch it out to 30, isn't it really zero after 15 years because it's fully depreciated? No, that it's two different different depreciation methodologies. One per IRS where you're trying to recapture your investment to offset it against income. And so there's different rules. You could use different depreciation rates per the IRS. Um, so it could have 15 years per the IRS, but you could recapture it, the majority of it, in one year if you use Section 179. Um, so 15 years um, with us is more of a straight-line depreciation, if you will, um, depreciating over year after year maybe a certain rate, whereas IRS is just a recapture of your costs to offset it against your income. And it's, you sh we shouldn't compare the two because it's apples and oranges. They're totally different. Okay. And then you also said that the numbers you've come up with, you kind of looked at the average of similar restaurants in the area. Mm -hmm. What are the similar restaurants? It varies. Um, for a build-out in Marin, a fast food restaurant, you're looking at about between... 500,000 in a million easily, easily. Um, even for a mom and pop, you're looking at that. Restaurants over a million dollars in personal property. And this would be a, a McDonald's or a Correct. KFC or something? Correct, you know, In-N-Out, um, Chick-fil-A, Burger King. Um, they all run in the same range, but the initial build-outs are very expensive. Yeah, one of the biggest drivers of value and cost here in Marin is just labor. Labor is really expensive, and we see it all the time. Okay. Any further questions for Mr. Singh? Yes, Mr. Singh. Um, did you get an itemized list for each location, each location when you purchased in the bulk sale, an itemized list of all the equipment so you knew the exact age of each piece of equipment? No. <clears throat> Thank you. So the, the equipment that you acquired in 2015 was in use and being used in the yes. restaurant, correct? So correct. it actually was contributing to the value of the business and generating income. Yes. So that doesn't seem to be consistent with a zero value. Correct? No, what, what I'm saying is uh, you buy mostly for the goodwill, but as, as, the, as, the, uh, as the restaurant ages 
and the equipment ages, you have to re remodel those restaurants. So when we bought it, we knew we had to remodel the store because the equipment was so old, the restaurant was so old, but we just couldn't do it because we were strapped with the funds. So this particular store in Marin County, has it been remodeled today? It hasn't been. We just got the permit about, you know, a year ago. So it has to, it is on the remodel probably by the end of this year. Okay, so that old equipment has been used from 2015 all the way through? Not 2015, I mean, from 25 years ago when they were built. But we're still using we, it today. Yeah, exactly. We were using it from 2015, Thank correct. You. Thank you. And you indicated the equipment is 25 years old. Is that an estimate? How did it's, you an estimate. That? it's an How estimate. It's an estimate. You know, I don't know the exact date of the age, but I would think it'll be between anywhere from 20 to 25 years old. Okay, and you're, typically, ma you're making that as estimate based on what? Based on how old the restaurant is and how old they've been there. Okay, so yeah. you do not know if that equipment has been replaced at some particular point. Well, you can you can figure it from inside when you look at it. Those equipment is very old. It barely works. I mean, okay, you know, but so you don't know for a fact. We don't know for, yeah, okay. the exact age, I don't know. Okay, thank yeah. you. I got a question for Mr. Singh. If you could, if I could direct you, Mr. Singh, to page 11 of my report. Um, you have it in front of you, Mr. Singh? Yeah. Mr. Singh has alluded to that the equipment is old. Um, my question to Mr. Singh is the two stores that were closed in Contra Costa that were open for three years, why did you apply the values you did if you knew the stores were gonna close? Um, it, it would seem to me with such a short life of being only open three years that the value here may not represent you know, the true value of those assets there, but why did you apply those costs to these two stores if you knew you were going to remodel them? We had to remodel all the 12 stores. No, I know, but why did you apply this cost to these stores? Because you keep saying that the equipment has no value, but you applied a value to these stores, which I've questioned myself, because you say, you know, you were going to remodel it, and you did close them after three years. Um, I'm working with your figures here. Um, so I'm just questioning, how did you come up with these values here? Well, I mean, based, like I said, in the closing statement, they have allocated values for these stores. So, you know, you can see some of those stores, the values are in there. Um, Let's see here. I'm trying to read the closing statement here. Can you direct me on the closing statement where these values are at, the 267 and the 280? And this would be Exhibit 1, Mr. Rosales? Correct. Um, yeah, so if you, if you look at that uh, second sheet, uh, you would see uh, the different store numbers and the values of allocated to them. Uh, is that in your exhibit, Mr. Singh? The bottom says page 1 of 2. Uh, the second page of the thing that I gave this you. This one right here. So that would be under Alameda County. You see store number 1096, uh, 4694, 9416, and 5434. The, the orange line is Novato, and, and the ones yeah, we're talking the, about the are above, above the, um, Yeah, two above the Novato, where it's 950, 114.76. Those are the four restaurants, including Sunol, and uh, uh, that Sunol is in there, and the Walnut Creek one is in the Contra Costa County. The the Sunol one would be in Alameda County and uh, and the new uh, the 
the store in Walnut Creek is the second line, which is store number 3003-4282-1685-22300. Those are the stores in Walnut Creek, Contra Costa looking. So these these were separated because of different sales taxes in the different counties, right? That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, I have another question. I mean, you have said that you, know, you looked at a similar restaurants uh, in the neighborhood and you arrived at this price of 336 or 400,000. These are new restaurants that have been built and they're probably two, three years old. I mean, how would you apply that value to a restaurant which is like over 20, 25 years old? There's absolutely no comparison to get, get into those newer equipment. Yeah, you're right. It costs a lot to build the new ones. And when we remodel, it's going to cost us quite a bit to get some of that going. But you can't attribute a new value to an old restaurant, which is over 20 years old. And that's why I have an issue with that valuation. Um, Bob, can I respond to that? Please. I don't know how Mr. Singh would know which comparables we use because I did a, we didn't share that data with them. Um, we wouldn't use, we wouldn't compare a new fast food restaurant to an existing you know um, restaurant um, that's been there for X amount of years. We wouldn't do that. We would try to compare like comparables. But you said In and Out, Burger King, yeah, yeah, uh, Chick Fil A, yeah. When were those all opened? Um, I don't have the data with me, but they've been there at least ten years. Yeah. Um, my other question is, it's this restaurant there isn't 25 years old. I stated earlier it was opened in 2004. So the first year that we would have assessed it in 16, it would have been 12 years old. It might, it's close to 25 years old now, but we're going back to 2016. Let me ask you a quick question, Mr. Rosales. And I'm just curious. He closes the two stores in Walnut Creek that are on page 11 of your report. And the, the assets are 267000 280000 Three years later, he closes them. He can't give away the equipment. No one will take it. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? How, how could it be worth $280,000 if three years later no one will take it? Well, that's my question to him, you know, because he did the allocation. Um, it's probably worth nothing even if it, was, if it would have been five years old and been disposed and discarded. And they, the, uh, the company, the parent company, would have said you have to remodel. It could have been two years old. Um, but that's a question he would have to answer. How did you come up with it? And the actual book depreciable cost is actually four million three hundred and thirty-three thousand. It shouldn't. It's not two million eight hundred and forty-eight. So there's a lot of costs there that are unidentified. Um, the applicant hasn't explained how they arrived at them. Um, and that's. And I'm working with his figures. I'm working with the figures that they booked are depreciating and reporting as tangible assets to the IRS. If you look at his one observation I made on his presentation, he does give us the amortization table. Um, it's the second to the last page on his report, but he omitted the depreciation table for the fixed assets, and that equals $4,333,000. Um, I have it here. I didn't want to include it because I thought it was private, but I would have included it um, if I knew he was going to include his tax return. And, Madam Clerk, what happens to this exhibit that the applicant gave us? I don't want his tax returns to be a public record. What happens to yeah, it? Yeah, does this get destroyed or No, we hold sealed? on to it. No, we keep it. We keep it. But it's sealed. It's, I don't know if it's sealed. That's a no, good question. No, it is open to the public. Open to the public. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The applicant has supplied it for this hearing, and that is open. Does the applicant have the opportunity to withdraw his tax forms at the end of the hearing? It was used in testimony. Okay. So just FYI, Mr. Singh, it's now public record. Everything you gave us. Yeah. 
And that was the reason I didn't include it, because I didn't want to make it public. Yeah, understood. Any further questions from the board? I guess you just answered my question. You were saying what he booked on his tax returns, and we hadn't seen that. So, <laughs> And it's described in my report um, on different pages, primarily on page 6, um, page 9, and 10, and 11. Do you have any other questions for them, Mr. Singh? Any questions, Ms. Paul? No, if we may do a closing. A closing, yeah. So why don't you guys start with a closing and then we'll let Mr. Singh end the day here. Equipment in use. Um, in closing, um, you know, I know from my experience, allocations of bulk purchases are hard. You know, it's, it's not an easy task. Typically, I've seen appraisals by certified appraisers um, that help us and help direct us to what is the fair market value when purchased. Um, in this particular case, the assessor is working with the data the applicant has given us. We're working with his information. Um, there's disparate information that's being reported, and we're working to the best of our abilities. We did follow an approved valuation methodology by the Revenue and Taxation Code and the Board of Equalization. Um, the assessor feels we have done our due diligence. Um, we asked the board to uphold our values because the applicant is still using the still in operation. There's still value there. Um, and it's debatable what that equipment is worth. But like I said, we're following an approved valuation methodology as directed by the state board. Uh, assessor asked the board to uphold our values as true market value for each lien date. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Singh. Um, like I said, you know, it's just all revolves around the fair market value of that equipment right now. And, you know, we can argue till the end of the day and never probably arrive at a number. But, you know, this number is excessively high. So I would recommend that if it's possible to, to come in between somewhere, a number which is reasonable, so we can close this. Thank you. All right, that will conclude this hearing. I'm assuming you want to take it under advisement and discuss. That's typically I, what we do. I would move that. <laughs> so, you yes. second? I second it. You want to call for a vote, Madam Clerk? Board Member Gremmels? Yes. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Yes. Chair? Yes. Weathers? Thank you. So what we'll do, Mr. Singh, is we'll talk amongst ourselves, review what we've seen here, and then we'll issue out an order or opinion that you'll receive in the mail. But I want to thank you very much for coming down and, and spending the morning with us. I appreciate that. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Right. Thank you. You have a good day. Thank you, board, for putting in such a great presentation. Appreciate it. Thank you, board. Thank you, Mr. Singh. Thank you. Thank you all. I think, all right, so this matter is concluded. <laughs> Do we have anything else on the agenda, Madam Clerk? No, we're adjourned. We're adjourned. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm what? sorry. Oh. I take back. I take that back. The two-year deadline report, 180-day. Okay. Report. I Let's apologize. do that. <laughs> You're excused, Mr. Singh, if you want to take off, or you can listen to some boring. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Had a long 180 day reports. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Madam Clerk, um, just one thing I wanted to ask. I'm looking at the 180-day report, and I see case yeah, that's somewhere. 0151. I don't hold see on, it. Hold on a second, Ms. Paul. Do, I, do we have this? Where would yeah, it be? Got it. Uh, you should have it there in your packet, the last page underneath the... There it is. Okay. There it is. Oh, I found it. it My is. apologies. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. My bad. That administrative in, in the question. Yes, I believe that was postponed. I will have to double check. Okay. And that's why the date was removed. Okay. And no new date has been set yet. Okay, so it has been postponed with a waiver? Uh, yes. Okay, with a waiver. Okay. All right, that's the second case. Um, uh, just to repeat, 20-0151. Um, I didn't see a hearing date noted on the 180-day report, so that was my uh, question just to make sure that we are watching all of the outstanding cases to make sure that they don't expire without a hearing date in place or a waiver. Um, That's the same for 220, correct? Um, 220. I don't see a hearing date. Um, yes, that would be the same. Yeah, so we want to make sure that those are postponed with waivers. So anything that does not have a date on it, designated. As you can see with a, many of the cases, um, they are scheduled for August 26. We have a rather, rather large hearing for that date. If I can interject, double checking on Nevermore, I believe that was postponed. I don't recall. I, I do believe, I have to say, I confirm that it was. Okay. I just don't recall what date or if it was for a future date, just okay. to make sure that there's clarity. Yeah, so this gives us an opportunity, um, I think probably right after this hearing, uh, the assessor's office can confirm with the clerk that um, these cases are either scheduled or that we have received waivers with postponements. Um, as you can see on the front page of this, most of the cases are scheduled for August 26th. We've talked about this, that we have quite a few outstanding hearings, and so um, the upcoming cases uh, or upcoming hearings uh, in the future, we may have to uh, really triage all the outstanding cases that are existing on the calendar. If you turn the page, you can see that some of the cases are then scheduled to September 23rd of 2022. But the purpose of this is just to make sure that all the cases are scheduled within the two-year deadline. Thank you. Madam Clerk, do we want to break up the August 26th hearing date? and have both boards try to tackle all of these? Maybe do it two days back to back or something? Or, I mean, which, are we scheduled for the 26th? Do you guys no, know? we're scheduled for the September 23rd. So this is gonna be assessment this appeals is, board one. Yes, and, and if I may offer some uh, assist. Um, with regards to that particular hearing date, so far we've had a few different cases postponed. Uh, we haven't had too many withdrawals at this particular date, but the hearing date confirmation notice um, is to be returned, I believe, August that 5th. Once that 21-day um, that hearing date confirmation notice is required to be returned, we then find out how many outstanding cases are left on the calendar. That'll give us, give us a better view of what we have as far as the caseload for the day. Um, we've been working with the clerk in identifying what sort of cases might be long in nature and which cases might be short. And there might be an opportunity as we move forward as we're going to see some larger um, caseloads for each hearing date that that may give us an opportunity to triage through the cases. 
Thank you. Mm -hmm. So you keep us informed, Madam Clerk, and we can communicate via email, but I'm okay or I'm open to adding a hearing date if we need to triage these cases. Yeah, that's um, that will be determined on the day of the hearing because notices have been sent out with a particular date as we were discussing at the annual or the annual meeting. Okay. okay. Thank yeah. you. And, and like I mentioned, we do the clerk to let them know which cases we feel will be um, a long case or a short case. So usually the clerk will identify that information to the board members so that you can plan out your day at least a week ahead of time. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now that is it. We are adjourned. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, motion to adjourn. Technically, you have to move to adjourn under Robert's Rules of Order. I'll second it. Board Member Gremmels? Yes. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Yes. Chair Weathers? Yes. Thank you. We're adjourned. <laughs> you guys want to go chat in the back room about this case? Uh, or let everyone leave and chat here? Probably in the back, back room. Okay. Yeah. And then which county council here?